Hasta la vista, baby. VR, the podcast where we discuss all things virtual reality and more sometimes. Um, I'm Chris Miranda, your host, and today I'm speaking with Zoe and Michael. Um, Zoe and Michael, you guys are doing something that is near and dear to my heart and um, what I believe, if I'm, if, if I'm not wrong, is you guys are using virtual reality to teach people math. Yeah, that's uh, that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, that's the plan right now. Nice. Um, well, first off, uh, thank you for coming on the show. I'm really, I'm really excited to have you guys on. Yeah, uh, we're glad to be here. Yeah. So before I, I, I before we get like, like uh, into this, I, I want to tell you a, a really short ag- anecdote. Um, I am. Um, all my life, I, uh, I've, I've gone through math. I've had this love-hate relationship with math. And uh, I remember uh, my best, the, the best I've ever done were in fifth grade and in freshman year of college. And it was because I completely, completely shut out every other, other aspect of my life and I just dedicated myself to math. I became... In fifth grade, I became so good at division that um, the teacher was impressed. But it's it's it. But the thing about math to me is that um, I, it just never it never really clicked uh, when I had to juggle things around. Maybe it, it might be a a defect in my mind, the fact that I can't multitask. But uh, but I'm excited bec- for what you guys are building because I I'm gonna be honest and I'm gonna put my cards on the table and say I feel. Like I'm an I, I like I am an incomplete human being, because I don't have I don't feel like I am a very a confident person in math and yeah it's one of those things where like people will say oh live life without regrets fuck you don't tell me what to do first of all <laughs> second of all uh, I have regrets and that is one of them like I wish I had a, a more you know a more intimate relationship with with math and here we are uh, in the in 2014 and i come across zoe a little while ago and she was telling me yeah i'm building uh this really cool thing that can help people teach math and virtual reality and i'm like yes yes and yes this is amazing um yeah so tell me more about yourself tell me more about this this project what is it called what's uh what's the vision and what's the inspiration i know it's a a huge loaded question but please take your time (laughs) Yeah, well, so um, first off, I guess um, I really resonate with that uh, with that idea that like I mean we we really think that uh, like learning math is going to be a new liter- literacy movement in the twenty first century, like because so much of what we do around us is governed by math and programming, um, which sort of is just a different side of math or like programming and math are intricately related. And so I really think it's just really important to have to foster new connections with math. Well, yeah. Let me ask you a really quick follow-up question to that. Like what is what it what does a math literate society do? What can a math literate society do that and that you know a counter opposite society wouldn't be able to pull off? You know what what is the grand scheme benefit of having a populace that is math literate? 
Well, one of the main things um, is uh, more control over your data. I mean, for instance, Google today uh, wants all of your data, as much of your data as possible, because really their technical expertise is managing data and getting knowledge out of data. Um, and you can see there are billions of dollars today, and there's lots of other instances of that. Um, but really just making predictions um, in general and just like manage, like, uh, if, you, if people could leverage computers, like we, we strongly believe that, that math is, is a form of magic in our, in our world. And um, if you like, it, in some sense, it's like people like trying to get the word out there that magic exists and you can, you can use it uh, through a computer. Like it, it, it's really hard to just do it by hand, but, but when you combine math with computer, you can actually start to like essentially cast spells in some sense. I, I like that notion I, because uh, I don't know who said this. I, I think I saw it in a code.org commercial, but someone was saying on the on the commercial, it was like uh, 10 years from now, the, the programmers of the future will f seem like wizards to us because they will be doing things that will seem completely magical and you know you know what they already are <laughs> like i have really? no yeah. <laughs> i have no idea how my phone really works or for that fact a lot of things around me and it's crazy how much of our world and lives and universe is surrounded by math and we just sort of go about it not really um yeah not really paying too much attention to it at least not until now yeah, yeah. for us we're um so we're both PhD students like a robot lab, and uh, we see, like, robots use math, basically, to try and become human, like, every day. And that was what really made me think math is magical, where you can, like, write these arcane symbols and make objects move across the room. It was just like, wow, that's, like, that is, like, pretty much magic. And just, like, machine learning as a whole is this very powerful tool, and we want to teach people how to use it and how to apply it in their daily lives. And, like... You know, like things around them can be automated. Like they should know how. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and well, tell me more about your project. What is it that you guys are putting pulling off, and how will you change mankind forever? <laughs> well, we yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty open ended right now. But we want to like take our passion of math and really like make it combine with virtual reality, which we think is like this very amazing new thing that just now is happening, and like have it so people can take these abstract models and really learn them in an intuitive way um, using things like the leap so you can grab functions with your hands and stretch and pull them and like maybe even get haptics so you can like feel functions and like actually like make math more like in our own like 3D world that we live in. Mm. Yeah, we really like this um, this idea where so like math is this abstract thing to most people um, but with virtual reality you can actually go to where math lives and sort of interact with it in its own like home planet, you know, like actually, uh, instead of, instead of being on earth, you're in math space. Yeah. So basically like go in the math space and like learn math in a really cool new way. Um, and just like change, like 2d pen and paper is a bad way of doing math. <laughs> yeah. We need to update that. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, it's, it's so like archaic. It's like, the way math was originally done forever like <laughs> yeah but we we have these new computers now and um we can you know we can use that and and teach math uh via a computer and do math in a computer as well and like even like a lot of a lot of the things that that 
people do in math on a computer today are still sort of like holdovers from doing math on a, on on paper. Like there's not enough exploration going on into just completely new ways of doing math. And that's really what we what we're really excited about with virtual reality is because it's this whole new platform and it's sort of a wild west of methods and explorations. And so we can we can try these crazy new things that people have not really done before. Um, and nobody will really blink an eye. Yeah. That is so. Before we continue further, I, I'm going to preface the rest of this conversation by saying, um, "Teach me, for I am ignorant." Like I have, <laughs> I, I'm going to ask you some really simple, dumb, ape-like questions. So bear with me here, okay? okay. Um, one of them being is, how do you know what to visualize? Like uh, in virtual reality, in terms of like a math algorithm, like how do you know whether that thing looks like that uh, because the, my my interpretation is like you can tackle you know a problem many different ways. So could you also visualize a problem in many different ways? Yeah, um, and so that's uh, um, so that's that's like the the second project that we're that we're working on right now is essentially um, so we're really focusing mostly on three uh, D math at the point. So uh, at this point, so. Um, uh, linear algebra, which is, I mean, it's typically taught as like a college level class because you have to have, um, traditionally you have to have, uh, uh, a high level of like algebra manipulation experience because this is just another level of algebra on top of that. But the ideas are really fundamentally geometric. And so we're interested in sort of, um, uh, presenting them in that way. Like, so not necessarily as just this little, this like algebra thing that doesn't really have a concrete um, explanation or maybe, I mean, it does, but maybe people don't know it. Um, but instead of doing that, we're really focusing on having these concrete visualizations of every operation that we provide for the user. So um, like all, all of the operations in linear algebra, you can, you can visualize and uh, render and animate. So the idea is you have a sequence of uh, essentially these geometric operations on like vectors in space. Um, <laughs> well, so I mean, but yeah, I, to answer your question, like the visual space is large, like what it really means. Mm. And we want to like math is basically built on these primitives. And we think if we can like visualize these primitives, then all the complex math could actually fall out of these basic visualizations. So that's kind of what we're thinking right now. Um, because you're right, like you could code forever and create different visualization schemes, of, like these kind of like methods. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're trying to like search that state state space of visualizations, but it's tough. Yeah, we're kind of like it's the frontier of it right now. Yeah, it's With still the, very exploratory right now. Yeah. Yeah, and I just want to commend you for having the balls uh, or gonads, because <laughs> men and women both have gonads uh, to <laughs> that uh, to to do this because. Um, it's needed. Like, like I, I, in, in the thing is, I, I, I worry for you guys that uh, you won't find the megaphone to get the attention that you deserve, and I think that's why I'm, I'm gonna champion the shit out of you guys' project, because, <laughs> I'm, because it's, it's really important that we become more math literate society, me myself included. Um, I, that being said, I might die an incomplete human being just because <laughs> no. it, it might be too hey, late. Yeah. 
but especially when you look at the statistics of like in high school if you complete algebra 2 like you're like 50 percent more likely to graduate college or something like math literacy is really important mm-hmm. and just enabling that is something that we really need to do one um, so sorry go ahead go ahead oh but yeah i mean it yeah i don't know it, to me it's just like math education needs an upgrade and we just need to like fix that somehow yeah yeah so I'm on your side, but I am going to run you through the gauntlet, right? Because this okay. is what we're here for. Um, and one question that uh, keeps, uh, you know, it keeps rattling inside my mind is, well, it's very early, sort of new frontier, the visualization aspect of of the app, and and but there's another challenge on the horizon, which is. How do you make the user, the the person, the consumer, the average person on the other end, realize that this is important to them, that this is useful? I think that's what, for me personally, like that was one of the things that turned me off from math, uh, like that, and you know, just not passionate teachers, but that, like that, the the realization that I just couldn't connect how learning trigonometry or learning you know what whatever algebra I, I never got past statistics in college so it, i'm very like very primitive myself um and how do you how do you make those connections for people to to realize like this is not only relevant but it's important for your life like how do you and, yeah. and, and useful i how do you how do you communicate that message yeah so for me it was um so like I said, we're like AI PhDs and it was really like, I was always interested in like, what does it mean to be human? And like, how do you make like a mechanical like friend almost, you know? And, um, and so that drew me to math because really AI today is mostly just applied statistics and math mm-hmm. and simple problems like, oh, how do I say that this cup in front of me is a cup? You can express that mathematically and actually model it, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, but people, I mean, that's something that you only realize till grad school, and obviously most people don't get there. So, like, how do you do that ahead of time? That's, yeah, that's a really big open thing. Is like, how do you make someone see the beauty of math? They don't really have the eyes to even see it yet. It's this paradox. Like, for example, why, what, what does linear algebra do for me? Like, how, what, what aspect of the universe will I uh, comprehend better if I knew linear al- algebra? So one of the um. One of the main, so um, a lot of statistics uh, boils down to linear algebra, um, uh, like uh, if you have just a lot of data. Um, And that's one of the reasons we're focusing on that is because you can start to answer statistical questions uh, at scale uh, if you have a lot of data using linear algebra. Um, But, I mean, a lot, like physics, a lot of of, uh, physics questions boil down to linear algebra. it's, it's probably one of the most applicable branches of math, but um, the neat part for us in terms of visualizing it is that it's actually, um, it's just entirely geometric ideas. The algebra might be slightly complicated um, to actually go through and do by hand, uh, but at the end of the day, it's just these really geometric ideas. And, and I know that doesn't, um, that doesn't tell you what you can use it for, but yeah, I mean... It's kind of, like, I hate physics, because they get, like, shows like the cosmos and stuff, where, like, people just, like, are like, oh, look at this planet and stuff. But math, like, there is no, like, look what you can do with math. Like, the the applications are very much, like, oh, I can be a quant and optimize Wall Street. Well, I can do these, like, weird, like, financial things. But the fun stuff is really not really shown to the public. 
Um, and I think like people should just like tell stories just like people do in physics of like cool papers out there, like cool math, like applied math papers Mm -hmm. and like what they did with math. Yeah. It's kind of like one of our long-term dreams is to make something like the cosmos, but for math instead. Yeah. So you can just watch it and see, oh man, math is really cool. Yeah. And then sort of like, especially if it were in the same system as the system that allows you to do math, right? It's like, what if it's... What if right after an episode of Cosmos, it brought you into this virtual world where all of the physics concepts that Neil deGrasse just talked about, um, you can play with, with your own hands and like, um, just play with those ideas. Yeah. So I want to go back to really quickly to sort of, I don't want to say I'm, I want to answer the question for you, but okay. I remember when I met Michael at Kodame, we, we hung, you know, we hung out at Kodame a couple of weeks ago, and there's something that he said to this day that I still can't forget, that I that it's still like ringing inside my head. Okay. And it was something like, um, something like, I know math and I feel free as fuck. Like, like that like that dude that just that was like music to my ears like listening to that like oh dude that is exactly how i'd love to feel um but you know like I, but again how do you communicate that to you know fourth yeah, graders <laughs> I mean, no it's true though i do feel free as fuck and like but i yeah it's that's that's something that's really hard to convey to people, and, like, I try not to say that as much, because then I'm like, oh, I'm just that dick who knows math. But, like, um, no, I mean, I think, like, really, I mean, in today's world, like, if you can really understand math, like, you are like, oh, man, like, I am, I, I can do things that, like, most people don't even think are possible. Like, I can, like, visualize and work with, like, infinite dimensional spaces and, like, just these really abstract concepts that are so applicable to our world and like you can like really understand them and it's really empowering like there's something about doing math it's i don't know i never felt like i just felt like it was like one of the most like powerful things that i can actually like do i guess it's like but yeah you have to get people interested before that and i don't know like yeah math does make you feel free i want to start like math beatnik like this freedom movement of just like math doers <laughs> yeah i'd love that i i mean i i've the only thing that i can think of like um recently that i saw or i heard on the news was uh the math museum in manhattan has this robotics exhibit mm-hmm. where they're using um where you stand on the uh on a on a, a glass floor and underneath there's like a hundred robots or 30 robots and you wear this this belt and the belt emits signals to the robots and you can play games with the robots like you know hunt them down and they you know they all communicate with each other and your belt and it's a it's a really interesting uh, I think thing we lost you oh are, are you yeah is there your... the whole ro- where did where did we last leave off at uh hello zoe mike are you there the podcast about all things virtual reality is going through some technical difficulties at the moment. Um, I don't know if I'm going to cut this out or not, but uh, listen to the sound of my voice as I am trying to reconnect the call. Uh, my day is quite swell, everybody. Uh, I'm just here doing some work and getting things done. 
and it's raining in San Francisco slash Bay Area Daily City right now. Not not a big deal. Uh, we do need the rain because we've been in a drought in California. That is, I think people have been saying it's the worst drought in the last 500 years. Hey, uh, hey, sorry, welcome back. Uh, yeah, we uh, we cut out when you were talking about uh, the, the robot. robot. The robot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No worries. I was entertaining the uh, audience by talking about the 500-year-old, the the worst drought in the last 500 years for California. But uh, going back to the whole robot thing, so a museum in Manhattan has these robots that communicate to each other, and it's a really interesting exhibit that shows how robotics and math uh, work in like in symbiosis. You know, it's you can't have robots without math, and that's how they're they're showing that. Yeah. 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 Um. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, uh, like, the way that I sort of view math is, like, you ask me, like, what can you do with math? Um, like, my philosophy is, like, what can't you do with math? Um, I know, like, the, one, of the, one of the hard problems, of course, with that is that you just need data in order to apply mathematics to a problem, <laughs> um, typically, like, and then collecting that data for the average person is going to be tricky. Um, but that's one of the reasons why I'm really excited about, um, especially augmented reality, but virtual reality as well, um, because it allows um, it allows someone to sort of gather their own data. Essentially, um, if you were like wearing a camera, for instance, and you wanted to, um, one of the applications that I'm looking forward to in my own life um, is wearing a camera and just applying my own math skills to my own data streams, essentially. So, like, uh, you can imagine playing sports and you have, uh, like, a camera and then some, like, augmented reality screen, um, and then you could be, like, let's say you're, you're, playing, you're playing Frisbee and someone throws a Frisbee and uh, you could visualize what, um, what your math thinks that the trajectory of the Frisbee is going to be and you can just, like, go to where it, it says it's going to be. And... Um, like, it sort of gives you, like, more fine-grained control over different aspects of your life. That um, sounds like a superpower to me. Exactly. It truly yeah. is. It really is. Um, yeah. And that's that's really what, like, the new, um, like, wearable technologies are going to enable is that, like, it's going to make math real in a way that it's never been before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember I was toying with, like, a few months ago when I was still at grad school of just, like, making a Bitcoin trader and living off its, like, earnings for, like, a year, like, traveling the world. And I was just like, fuck it. Like, that's what I'm going to do. Um, and that was, I mean, that's, like, really just, like, if you know how to use math, you can just, like, yeah, just have your life enabled by it um, in a way that you didn't think was possible before, I guess. You start seeing the world just a lot different. You kind of go crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, so, I mean... I I have this uh, interesting philosophy in which I think I'm a robot, um, and, and yeah. um, because I start to see the world uh, from a different lens. Like I oh. I view um, like if you think about what what a human body does, it's really no different from what a robot does. Um, it just like it has some sensors. It just happens to have a lot more sensors than most of the robots we can make today. Mm -hmm. um, and then it does some processing on those sensors, and then it actuates on the world. Um, sure, there's some notion of consciousness in there, um, but, I mean, most people would think that their consciousness is just, like, um, uh, <laughs> just, like, thinking, I mean, 
like, well, okay, uh, I'm going to retract that last statement. I don't really know what most people think <laughs> about their consciousness, but uh, the way that I think about my consciousness is, uh, is just like interacting with the world and my sensors and uh, figuring out what that means to me as a person, as a robot. Yeah, that's uh, that's extremely fascinating. I mean, I, I'm going to eventually in this talk, we're going to talk about artificial intelligence and robots and consciousness. But I want to before we get there, I, I want to focus a little bit more on your app because I know we're going to go places on this conversation. Sure. I'm super excited. Um, uh, how far along are you in the process of creating this app? I mean, you know, do you have an estimation, guesstimation as to when people might be able to see a demo or, or something out there in public? Um, yeah, so, well, I think we're going to have something working. It, the problem is right now, we don't really know how to give the app to people just because VR is kind of, I mean, do we just put out, like, I don't really know, like, do I just put it on GitHub and say, like, come well, get it? Well, there's Oculus Share. Oh, um, is that, okay, so that's uh, the thing. So, um, we have a, a mostly working demo. Um, we, like, I think one of the issues with it right now is, uh, that it sort of requires our exposition. So it sort of requires someone standing next to you explaining what you're seeing. Mm. Um, and we haven't really figured out a good way to really embed that because, so I guess we could, we should just explain what we have so far. So one of our um, sort of explorations is into sort of representing a, so you have a function and then you see like a plot of that function in 3d. So it's a, it's a 3d function. Um, and you can reach out with your hands with the leap motion and grab that function. And then you can uh, like skate, you can like shear it and like really just move your hands around. Um, yeah. So the idea of the demo is um, to teach people about like, and this is, this is a very short demo that we kind of made to just explore the space. Mm -hmm. um, but it was basically to teach people about eigenvectors and eigenvalues, which are kind of like this abstract term, which you're probably like, I don't even know what that means. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But really, like, those super, like, simple concepts when you view it in our demo, and it's, um, they're really powerful, and you can do so much with them that you would not, like, they're very simple, but the algorithms behind them all is, like, you basically can take these matrices and say, oh, I actually lies on some low-dimensional, like, space through its, through, like, looking at the eigenvalues and eigenvectors. And that means, like, those things where you can, like, show someone a picture Mm -hmm. And they can do this algorithm that basically looks at the eigenvectors and eigenvalues and actually just remove, like, the people in the front of the picture and, like, separate out the background, which is really cool. Um, so we want to, like, that's what we, we start out. And we made a demo that's about 10 minutes uh, worth of, like, interaction time. And so we could, like, release that now. But I think we kind of want to, like, push for something where it's more, like, all of linear algebra you can learn. Hmm. And it's more, like, intuitive and more polished. Yeah, what is, can you communicate to the layman like me how, how I, Iben vectors and Iben values, I, Iben or Eigbeg? Eigen. Eigen. It's a, a German I, prefix, I believe. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, how do they, how can they, um, you know, what is a everyday sort of uh, a place where I'd see that if... if, if so, um, so one of the, um, uh, the... One of the, what Michael was was explaining is that one of the applications of eigenvalues, which is uh, it's called principal component analysis. But um, I mean, the, the technical details are a little bit deep, I guess. But um, the the geometric picture is really um, so 
like it's really easiest to explain sort of what happens in in 3D or 2D. Right, but how um, to explain the geometric picture in words? Yeah, also finding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So um, this is my math beyond. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Um, <laughs> um so but, yeah. So I mean, we, I can try to explain just in in a few words though. Um, like what it means in 2D. Uh, essentially, I, it has something to do with like fitting lines. Essentially, um, so if you have a bunch of data points on a on like a 2D plane. Um, and you want to find the line of best fit. Um, so the, 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 the line that is closest to the most number of points, um, you, can, you can use eigenvectors and eigenvalues to find that line um, uh, very easily and very principled. Uh, principle, uh, and, um, but but the, the concept uh, extends to any dimension. So... Um, uh, and and people might be confused when we're talking about higher dimensions, like well, we only know three dimensions, um, and that's sort of one of the uh, tricky aspects of teaching this is that it's really hard. I, I don't know of any good to, like ways to visualize a high dimensional space, um, but what we mean by that when we say that is um, essentially if you think about um, like having data. So uh, one of the typical examples is like. Uh, if you're if you're trying to predict a house price based off of uh, some features of the house, so you might say, well, what's the square feet of the house? Um, how many floors are there? How many bathrooms are there? You can start to get a bunch of data points uh, about this house. Um, essentially, so now if you imagine, um, let's say you have ten data points, ten different things about a house that you might want to put. Uh, into a prediction algorithm to figure out how much that house is worth. What you can do is essentially just take all 10 of those data points and just stack them into like essentially like a spreadsheet. Um, So if you just stack all of those numbers, um, then uh, you can imagine varying those numbers. And uh, so the, the analogy with like a, like, two or three dimensions is that if you only have two of those numbers and vary it, uh, it corresponds to a point in the plane. And if you have three numbers and you vary those numbers, so like you go from a thousand square feet to uh, 1100 square feet, then you move one of those, one of those data like axes, you move, you move that point along one axis. Um, so uh, by, by analogy, you can extend that to like, you can sort of imagine a higher dimensional space as sort of like how I visualize it is I just imagine 3D, but then I sort of have this vague notion of just having more directions to choose from. Um, and that's sort of the best intuition that I sort of have. Interesting. Um, you sort of imagine 3D space, but somehow bigger. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so basically like, yeah, I mean, I guess like to go back to the original question, our first demo is we're thinking maybe – We'll have something people can start working with in like a month or so. How about that? <laughs> okay, that sounds that sounds like a plan. I um I will keep up to date with uh, what you guys are up to. But when you refer to dimensions, I wanna. This might sound stupid. The movie Interstellar made me think about dimensions a lot more. Because yeah, there was there was five, and, but 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 then then I ha- I had to do my own research and I went on on, on YouTube to do my research. Uh, like CGP Grey had a video or or was it Vsauce? I can't remember, but where they were trying to or Minute Earth or Minute Physics, one of them were trying to explain uh, dimensions and. 
what I that video what I came out with that what 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 I came out with that video was that there's like 10 10 to 11 dimensions uh, something like that is that are we in the same universe right now or or am uh, I so in math there's an infinite amount yeah so um, so essentially in math you can just create uh you can you just like you can always create more dimensions if you want um yeah so your your data can really live like the data your facebook uses lives in like maybe thousand dimensional spaces mm -hmm. yeah so um so I have a friend who works at Yahoo, and he was just telling me about the system they built um, for like search. That uh, if if you enter in um, if you enter in a search question, it converts your question into a billion dimensional vector and uses that uh, to predict what responses it should give you. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, when you think about dimensions, like we always think in like the visual sense, like oh, we live in three D. Mm -hmm. um, one of the first things about really working with math is you have to accept that like the world we live in is not the same world as math and in math there's just more dimensions. Hmm. So yeah, it's kind of like, how do you visualize past 3d is it's almost impossible for humans to do. Yeah. It because yeah, there's, I'm like, I'm here's a, here's the thing. I'm having this conversation with you guys and speaking to you guys reminds me of listening to John Carmack talk. Because I, John John that's, Carmack talks, and talked. I have to like listen to him talk like three four times like over and over. So this conversation, I will probably have to listen to it like three to four yeah, times. We're getting way too. It's hard to like. Ah, uh, yeah, that's why we want to make math VRs because it's like yeah, have these really great concepts, but it's like yeah, it's just so hard to convey them, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, I uh, so you brought up Interstellar, and I think that's a really good point. Um, and so um. I, I don't want to spoil anything, so I'll try to be as spoiler-free as possible. Um, but at one point in the movie, uh, they, uh, you, they, they visualize the time dimension as a spatial dimension. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's sort of like one of, the, one of the ideas, I mean, one of the key ideas that we're trying to work with and when we're making math VR is that um, sort of like we're really good at interpreting spatial dimensions, but really bad at interpreting any other notion of dimension. Um, so if we can somehow show the user um, and just get uh, sort of show them different spatial dimensions uh, of access into their like math, um, then like we can piggyback on humans sense of uh, spatial dimension in order to sort of teach you about other types of dimensions. Hmm. Um, and that's still, that, I mean, that sounds pretty vague, uh, and isn't really that well-founded yet, but that's kind of one of the ideas that we're playing with. Right. Um, but hopefully you can, I mean, even like 3D is still like pretty cool concepts. And I think, I mean, that totally beats 2D. Like, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, of course. Obviously VR exists. So... <laughs> I think you can do a lot with 3D, and I think the fact that, like, the Oculus gives you, like, the ability to, like, move your head, like, underneath a function, or, like, move it around, just, like, I don't know, I think there's a lot there. Um, yeah, going from, like, a one-dimensional function, which is typically what you, um, so one-dimensional meaning uh, you have, like, one degree of freedom, so typically the x-axis mm -hmm. is, like, you can change that, and then you have a function that outputs, like, a height uh, for each point on like the x-axis right. um, and so that's that's a one-dimensional function a two-dimensional function is like if you can if you can like essentially like walk on the surface of the earth and then if you had a height for each point on the surface of the earth um, 
then um, that would be a two-dimensional function. Um, but you can visualize that in 3D. And so um, you gain a lot of intuition from, and like a lot more like mathematical phenomena occur in two-dimensional functions compared to one-dimensional functions. So um, what we're really hoping, um, and like, uh, I mean, I've learned a lot from going from one-dimensional functions to two-dimensional functions, but um, essentially you can gain intuition from making that jump and then really interacting with math spatially and being in the same space as this math um, in a, as a two-dimensional function. Um, and then sort of, I guess, try to make that cognitive leap into like, well, what would happen if you added another like direction to work with? Right. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's one of the really cool ideas that we're excited about working in VR with is that, it really gives you like most of the interesting phenomena that occur in high dimensions occur when you're dealing with like three dimensions. Yeah. So, well, I mean, yeah, but it's hard to, it's really hard to like describe math over like, yeah, podcasts. So it might be, yeah, my, 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 my head is like, where are we? (laughs) But it's a good thing. It's Um, a good thing because I, I, I like, places where I'm uncomfortable where I have no idea what I'm doing and it's um and it's it's sort of my my a way a way that I view life is like if you're if you're comfortable you're you're doing it wrong like you have to be comfortable yeah, with being uncomfortable like live, um there's a constant in AI where you have to like explore and exploit the states you know mm. you always want to like you know be trying new things that's how you like learn a better policy yeah so I want to f- push forward and ask you more about you know, sort of the the business, sort of the more logistical aspects of what is next to come for you guys. Because I wonder, you know, what is going to be your distribution model? Are you are you trying to make money with this? Uh, how are you trying to make money? Like, what's uh, what's your take on those questions? Well, yeah. So I think, well, when we see MathBR, I mean, what first of all, it's like you say, like, how are people even gonna like understand this or like be interested in it? Um. To us, this is more like we just want to like get people excited about math, and we don't really care about money or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So we probably just open source it and give it away for fun. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, so currently we're we're still grad students, and um, we're pl- not planning on on changing that. Um, so I mean, it's somewhat incompatible with running a business uh, at the same time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean. So for us, this is like, it's a, it's a passionate side project, like where like, this is just like, we really love math and, you know, in today's society, it's acceptable to hate math. Um, and just like, it's even like, it's the norm, right? It's, it's, um, and just like, we, we like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's makes us sad to hear that, you know? And like, we really like love math and just bring it into almost everything that we do. Mm-hmm. And we'd really like to share that with people. Um, yeah. And so like, I mean, for us, it's clear that we want to give it away for free because then like we reach the most amount of people. Um, but then, I mean, in the, in the longer term future, who knows what could happen? Like after we graduate, um, how much yeah, more you got like, left to graduate by, by, yeah. Uh, well, PhD but, system, uh, you're done when you're done. Um, okay. Yeah, we don't know. Probably uh, like two to three to ish years still. I mean, I think we're gonna like release like the first demo and like just see like okay, are people like what the fuck are you guys doing or like are they like oh this is like 
This is cool. You know, I mean, we might be totally off. Like, maybe, like, we're just crazy math geeks, <laughs> and we're just insane. But we, we are, but we're hoping that we, hope we can we, still share some place. We hope we haven't gotten too crazy <laughs> we can't connect at all with people anymore. Yeah, so but how... <laughs> I was going to ask, like, how can, like, since they're making this open source, and how can the community contribute uh, how can people uh, you know could do you need help do you need people do would you like people to come help you out yeah, or definitely i mean like it's kind of like how you're saying like exploring the space of visualizations like how do you know which one's good like to be honest we don't and like each one that you try is like coding time like you have to figure out a way to code it hmm. um yeah i mean so we're we're planning on setting up this system where it will be easy uh to like represent and visualize algebra as geometry. Um, and so once we have that system up and running, it would be very interesting to, to use that system to like visualize other things and like different visualizations. Um, different maths, like yeah, algebra exactly. is like a subset, like those um, geometry, like physics is awesome too. Like, I mean, if you could just like make like physics math, which is also linear algebra, but like that would be a good one. Um, yeah. Yeah, so like like the system that we're building right now um, would be extremely useful for people that want to make uh, physics lessons um, or physics like explorations, essentially. Um, yeah. Where you visualize sort of like vectors in three D space, and then you have all these uh, interactions like physics. That's that's the language that you write physics in. Um, and so if you can just visualize like the lang the algebra that you use to write physics, then I think that would be really valuable to a lot of people. Um, it's, we're currently not, I mean, we have it on GitHub right now, but um, it's not really set up for uh, making contributions. Uh, that's something that we will want to do um, in the coming, like, uh, months, especially if there's uh, external interest. Um, yeah, I mean, we see this more as, like, a platform, and, like, if you want to really focus in on a specific topic, you can create a lesson plan for that. That'd be cool. Um, we want to make like these like a visualization of linear algebra, and then different parts of linear algebra. That, like people can go in and like really hone in and like, okay, I want to teach like matrix inversion. Like I want to teach like um, transposes. I don't know. Something. Yeah. So like sort of just giving people the tools so that they can make their own lessons um, and uh, play with it, and really just make math their own. Yeah. I mean, people need to feel like they can create with math. And, like, that's what got us really excited was when we started creating with math. Hmm. So that's why it's, like, it has to be, like, an open source movement. I want to ask you about um, a more philosophical sort of question. And, and I, you know, I, again, there's no – I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer. Maybe there is. Uh, so yeah. we know for a fact that there is a gay gene. Like, we know that people who are LGBT don't have a choice. It's, it's, in, it's encoded in our DNA. Is, do you think math, there's a math gene? Do you think that there's a certain type of people that just have, you know, that are genetically encoded to love the shit out of math, and then there's others who, who just for some reason it doesn't click? Or do you think it's more of a, a, a nurture sort of issue? So it's more like a nature versus nurture kind of question. So so I can answer first, and then Michael can say what he thinks, because um, we probably have different ideas about this. Um, Do we? Like, I don't know. Yeah, uh, we've just never talked about this before. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so thank you for that question. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll share my own personal story, I guess. Um, like, I personally believe that um, there might be a slight genetic advantage, but I, I believe that 
most most of like math is really just nurture. Um, like I I was I would say um, when I was growing up, I really hated math. And it's surprising to hear that, you know, the way I talk about it now, um, I, I, I think so when, when I was in like, uh, early middle school or elementary school, I, um, well, so I also know this doesn't really answer your question, uh, but all I can give is anecdata. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) but, um, I was growing up, I think maybe I was marginally, uh, better at math. Um, or I was just given the opportunity to take like uh, a, a math test to be put in like you know quote unquote advanced math class, um, and I think being put in that class really just um, like like whatever minor advantage I had at the start um, due to uh, well I think actually one of the other. So I don't even know if it was due to genetics, but it was also due to my brother was teaching me, who's two years older. Um, Hmm. He had been teaching me the math that he was learning. So it might not have been a genetic advantage at all. It was just that I had started slightly earlier. Hmm. Um, And so, but being put in that like separate math class to learn at a slightly faster pace, just like kept increasing that advantage. Um, And eventually I, I mean, I hated math, uh, all throughout uh, school until my very last year in high school when I took calculus um, for the first time. And then suddenly my previous, you know, like 17 years of math education started to make sense. Like it was like, oh, okay, so that's why we did all of that stuff that seemed really pointless before this. Um, And I think uh, most people that learn math um, uh, sort of have, or like, I guess most people who like math have sort of a, a clicking point where it's like, okay, that's when it like starts to make sense. And I start to like this now. Mm. Um, but, it, but the really sad part is that, um, I think most people never get there, um, or never find what like math is, it's such a, it's a giant field and like, it's really hard to find what you like about it. Um, so I guess that's, that's kind of how I feel. I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to make any wide sweeping generalizations about how it is in general, but, um, for me, I would, I think it was mostly nurture. Yeah, I mean, just to, like, follow up, like, I really didn't like math until um, I came to grad school, even. I actually kind of, like, did it, because I was like, oh, like, you know, the, the application's cool, and I did more engineering side where the math wasn't that intense. Um, but then, uh, yeah, I was like, oh, Battlestar Galactica, that's awesome. I want to do AI. So I came here and switched my major to AI, and it was all math. And I was like, oh, shit, I have to know this stuff. And then, like, just through, like, like working on it every day and, like, through people like Zoe who are so passionate, I got really excited about math, too, and it started clicking. I was like, wow, this is, like, fucking magic. Like, what the hell? Like, why have I never even, like, knew this before? Um and so I think for me, it was, like, very much, like, my math journey, yeah, we think math is, like, totally religion. My, like, math <laughs> journey um, started maybe a year and a half ago, and I did math, and I could, like, memorize it, but I didn't really, like, I wasn't aware, like, I wasn't, like, awoken to it. Like, I just, like, memorized a few equations they taught you in physics, applied them, because you just kind of see the pattern, and you're like, oh, that's, like, where you put that equation, but never really thought about it or cared to think about it. Um, and I think that's the difference is like a lot of people go through math and they just like 
memorize things. They like look at a story problem in undergrad or like high school, and it's like, oh well, I know it's the equation I was just taught to apply here. And you know, I mean, like, I think that's like boring as fuck. And some people are good at that, some people aren't. It's just like taught like really badly, hmm. and you have to like. For me, it was like the being creative with math, like really made me fall in love with it. But it's hard to get that without like something helping you and without like good intuition. And that's what we want to make math for us to like create this like the creativity with math and like combine those two. Are yeah. You? So um, uh, to uh, another thing on that um, so from and like I mentioned learning calculus, and I think one of the biggest reasons why that was influential was not just because I thought calculus was cool, but also because my, um, my calculus teacher in high school, uh, was just incredibly passionate. Like he had, um, he made up, uh, interpretive dances that he performed for us to teach us like the concept of integration. Um, and like, he was just like really very clearly loved it. And it just like rubs off. It's like contagious. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And and it's just like and then I started to like realize like like I started to make it m- more my own, you know, and like like really can like do stuff with it and just like it's really just it like people have this this idea that that math is like boring and rote and I think that's mostly just because of the way that it's taught. Um because it's taught in a boring and rote way and um up until like high school or uh I guess middle school People don't, or well, maybe even middle school as well. If you didn't go to a big school, like math is taught by people that were taught by people that hated math. So of course, like, like I mean, it's, it's yeah. like this. It's there this, are good math teachers out there. Sure, Let's not sure. like generalize. I, 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 there, there are good math teachers, and I've had good math teachers before. But a lot of, um, uh, like, if you're if you're like in primary school, like, um. I would. I don't want to say that all primary school teachers hate math, but um, a lot of them don't really see it the way that we see it, um, and like really like love it. I, I don't think they hate it, but they don't love it. Yeah. Um, I mean, normally the people who love math just like yeah, you know, end up doing their math like the job is doing math, and then it's like they don't really teach it. Um, like for us, like we just do math all day in our research because we love it. So, but we also feel like we want to share this kind of passion with other people. It's kind of like a hobby and we just want to like be like, Hey guys, this is something that you can do too. And it will make you feel free as fuck. Uh, yeah. I mean, exactly. it does like, uh, it does make you feel awesome. I want to, I want to you know, sort of go forward with another sort of story that makes me, makes me wonder, uh, that it's going to bring up another question. And the story was, uh, back in 09, uh, I was in Taiwan. I was living in Taiwan and I was hanging out with my buddy from Taiwan. And the education system in East Asia is very, very different from here in America or you know, pretty much any other place in the world. And it, it's not, and it's not just the educational system, but it's also the culture. Like, you know, the kids, over there it's uh it's very competitive they're uh, they're constantly studying they're you know and they go from going to school to another school because it's just it's just a whole nother beast and here and so and so my buddy and i were talking about our lives and growing up and i was telling my friend like outside dude i wish i wish i had the knowledge and the brain that you have because it must it must feel amazing 
at the same time, he knew about, I told him about like all the crazy shit that I've done in high school, like putting yeah. peanut butter on my chest to try to catch a raccoon to, <laughs> you know, to like, to, to the man whorish things. Cause I was a man whore in high school. Like I had a lot of sex and it was fun. And when I say I, I there's like, I regret not having learned math. Yes. I say that, but you know, I haven't reached the point. I never reached the point where I could say, yes, math is better than sex. And so, <laughs> and so the question is like, I know, sorry for the long winded uh, question, but you know, how do you make math social? Like, how do you make math, you know, be something that people want to do together that people want to learn together? Because another thing that made me, that that's discouraged me from math was the fact that it felt like a lonely journey and I had to figure it out. And I'm, yeah. I'm not, I don't know, maybe, maybe I say that to myself because it makes me feel better, but I, I, I like to think that I'm much more of a social animal. And I, and I, and I think I do tend to do better when I have like a small group and we're like, we're constantly bouncing ideas off each other and, and it, Oh shit, we got the, we got the problem. It feels good. So to that, Will you incorporate, or do you think you'll be able to incorporate some sort of multiplayer or social aspect to this app that you're creating? And and you know, tell me more about your experience growing up yourself. Like, how was your social life as as as, as kids that like <laughs> liked math? Um. Yeah. Well. So we definitely. I mean, social math is definitely a thing that we want to do. And like VR is very much like you just you have a network and you all can be in a virtual space and you can do math together. Like, that's something that we think is very important and we want to, like, work on. Um, so, yeah, I think there's definitely, like, the social aspect of it is really important. Um, I mean, so, sorry. Uh, yeah. The, um, I mean, one of the, um, like, one of the longer-term things is, like, uh, I mean, I hesitate to, to make it, like, a game, but, like, we, we like it would be really cool to make something like Mathcraft, right? Where it's sort of like Minecraft, but like it, it teaches you about the creative power of yeah. like math, right? Instead of, like using mm. a shovel, you can use like all of math, right? And, I like that. And so, like, if you just if you build this ecosystem where it really just allows people to play like a math playground, um, and just like really like pick up new math concepts and interact with other people in the same like coexisting world. Um, like, I mean, something, well, as a, a tangent, um, I mean like Khan Academy, for instance, has a really cool thing, I think, or at least they were planning on building it. I, I think they've built it now. Um, where, uh, I mean, you can do peer tutoring, right? Where, um, so, uh, you, you're learning this lesson and then you can connect to people that are learning the same lesson and then just like talk about it. Um, but I think, I think that's a great first step. Um, but I, I think we really want to make it like really emphasize the creative power of math. Like, yeah. like even on like Khan Academy, which is great for like learning sort of traditional curriculums. Um, I th we think it would be really just cool to sort of step outside of the traditional curriculum and say like, look, this is all this part of like, an integrated system and sort of just allow you to discover it on your own and with others um, and sort of just play and, like, create with it in this world. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, so we're both, like, very, like, um, kind of social people, I would say. Like, yeah, like, I don't know, like, for me, like, yeah, I, I love, like, having tons of friends and, like, being very social. And, like, math is this very lonely journey where you have to, like, be by yourself right now and it's, 
kind of depressing in that sense. Um, so yeah, I think like, yeah, we do want to incorporate, like make math more something you can do with other people. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that that's definitely something that VR can bring to the table that is hard to bring to other media. Um, well, especially like pen and paper math, it's just inherently so low because you're not going to have multiple people writing on the same pen and paper, right? Like mm-hmm. that just, that this is not really going to work. But in VR, you can imagine all sorts of collaborative setups where, um, like imagine, um, I mean, it, it, it's still very like vague notion of what like Mathcraft would look like, but yeah, um, we haven't really figured that one out, but yeah, but like, if you all get together and just sort of build something together with math, right? Like, I mean, I think that that dream is very attainable. Um, but like what exactly the form that it's going to take on is still very unclear. Right. Very interesting. My little cousin plays, uh, Gary's mod. Uh, oh yeah. And he spends hours on that thing. Exactly. And I've, you know, when you talked about that sandbox sort of experience, that's sort of the first thing that popped into my head where, you know, he can, they can, you know, a place like Gary's Mall where they can visualize if that car hits that chicken at that amount of speed, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll visualize the math behind that and how that, exactly. how far that chicken's going to fly off. Like, uh-huh. I, yeah. I, so imagine imagine a world like Gary's Mod or Minecraft where um, essentially um, you can you can dig in and see the math that governs all the inter- interactions. So like you wanna like you you can like um, like uh, exactly what you're saying like smash two things together um, and then see and then see visualize the equation that governs that interaction and then change it and then see how that changes everything else and then just like throw new things in there and just make crazy interactions um, between different objects in this virtual world and sort of just like, sort of like what, what would people do with that? Like kind of what kind of crazy things would, would people do? And then um, the other night, nice part about something like that is like, I mean, exactly like you said, people spend hours and hours and hours in that sort of environment. Um, And like, Video games have this really, truly addictive power. Um, something in our brain just, like, um, makes us, like, really prone to, to playing them over and over again. Um, hmm. uh, <laughs> but so if we can just tap into that power and make, like, utilize it for, like, learning math and, like, like in like as a tool for, like, this virtual world, but also a tool that you can use in your daily life if you want to. And sort of just empowering people through this medium of like, I mean, wouldn't that, it's just like, I mean, um, a phrase that I've been using is like a, a, a Trojan horse of mathematics, right? Where you sort of like, you, you get people to love math by just like putting them in a place where they can use it for cool things that they, that they care about. Like, right. Like our lab is very much like that. Like it puts people in this environment where you can make robots do stuff and then it sneaks in your love of math. That's how it got me, and we want to create, like, an experience for that for everyone, and easier, and you don't have to spend, like, the entire, like, you know, three years of your life doing it. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's a crazy idea, uh, and I like that. The, the idea that, you know, hopefully, I, I mean, maybe, would you guys be concerned with that? Like, the idea that you guys could get people addicted to getting smart? Like, imagine, yeah, imagine yeah. a world where, like, people are, like, addicted to wanting to be smarter, like, 
what the fuck would that look like? Yeah, I I think that would be a very interesting world. I mean, obviously, I think there would be ramifications of it. Yeah, I I wonder. But I I think people, I think what we've learned is that people are going to get addicted to these things no matter what. So you might as well make them uh, productive experiences for them, right? And like, if you can make the skills that they're learning in that addictive game be useful for the rest of their life, um, then you've really done humanity a, a favor. Yeah. I do wonder, though, I mean, like, if math right now, because it scales, you have this kind of meritocracy-type uh, economy of the math jobs, where it's like, if you know math, you can get it no matter what your social background was. Hmm. But, I mean, it's also like you have to have, like, a good background to know math. It is interesting to know, like, if I went new math, would we take away that one nice aspect left? But I don't know. Or yeah, would it advance math even further than we already have? Do you think like the the expansion of more minds working on the same subject? Do you think that like we would, I don't know, we would un- unlock new doors into math? Oh, yeah. absolutely, yeah, definitely. absolutely. Um, math is something that's like you really can't unlock. I mean, you can always unlock more doors. Like you just like yeah. I mean, math is just building abstractions, like building precise abstractions, and people like the mathematicians. I. I I was reading, um, I think a book that was published in like the 90s um, was saying, uh, it had quoted that um, the amount of published mathematics had doubled in the last 25 years. And this this is um, like the entire works. So from like mid-1990s to like 1970, the entire body of works of mathematics as a whole had doubled compared to the entire rest of the human history. Um, so, like, we're generating more math in an increasing rate um, than we ever have before. That's amazing. Uh, Will, it, do you guys envision, is it even possible for us to, to hit, a, hit, the, hit a ceiling? Is there such a thing in math? I mean, um, I, so this is started, we mentioned earlier, we sort of have almost a religious fervor. Um, there's actually an active debate in, in uh, math, it's sort of a philosophical debate of whether math is invented or discovered. Um, and I truly think that it's discovered. Um, it sort of exists, it, like, the interesting part about math is that it sort of exists uh, beyond our universe but we can use it to describe our universe. And that's, it's like this quote of like the, um, the, un, the, uh, uh, what is the quote? Um, the, uh, I forget what it is, but something about, uh, just like, it's so strange that math, it can be used to describe the universe so effectively. Hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's uncanny how well it can describe it. And that's this very strange thing. Um, like personally, like me and Michael believe that it's discovered. Uh, so sort of like there's, yeah. a, there's an infinite amount of math to be, to be discovered out there. And you can always essentially, because if you think about it, um, if you create like a new field of math, um, then you can, you can like, there's new math to be made by or discovered by connecting that new field of math with other existing fields of math. And so every time you you discover a new area of math, you can connect it with everything you've already learned, and it sort of has this, like, explosion of connections that you can uh, discover. Yeah. And while, so we're starting a math cart as well, if you want to be a part of that. <laughs> um, I... <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, no, I mean, we, uh, yeah, we kind of do, like, worship math in a way. I mean, not, like, worship, but, like, 
it has some weird like uncanny like wow this is like actually describing our world and you can say things like physicists can invent these theories and then 40 years later find out they were exactly right using that that's kind of crazy that like they can predict what's going to happen with CERN with just like their minds and that's, that's pretty powerful that's madness it's crazy but, but what is the counterpoint what is the reasoning behind the counterpoint that math is invented like what is what what do they say what does the other side say uh it's uh, i mean uh whether or not, I mean, I think there, there are two separate issues, I guess, of whether or not the amount of math that could potentially exist is infinite or finite um, versus whether or not it's discovered or made. Um, and, like, I'm, I feel like I'm less familiar with the, uh, like, made arguments. Uh, and I think it's more, it's almost like a leap of faith. Like, uh, do you believe that, that math, it, like, it... Uh, and honestly, it doesn't even really matter if it's made or discovered, but it's sort of just like a philosophical, like how you feel about it. It's it's sort of like for me, um, like math is my spirituality, like, and it's sort of like this underlying unity that like ties the cosmos together. And like, so like to me, it just seems like it it exists before it's discovered because it's like it it's it's almost self-evident to me that it, that it exists. I think the main argument of um, people that argue that it's made is that it's like um, the math that we have today is a human construct um, in the sense that like we create better and better approximations to these physical phenomena. Um, and like, who's to say that that existed before that, because we're just sort of, putting our little like math Legos together to create new theories. Um, and so I think, yeah, the, the crux of like the, it being made argument is um, that like we are humans and we're grounded in this physical universe and we like the math that we have, we thought up of. And so it's made like, it's whether or not you just believe that it existed before it, before you make it or not. It's sort of a, yeah. It's a weird argument. I mean, <laughs> you, you have to accept some axioms in math, things like, oh, I believe zero is an empty number, stuff like that. And, like, you know, I mean, you can you can look at the axioms and you can be like, eh, I believe that. So, I don't know. I mean, is math real or not? Did we invent or discover it? Yeah, it's it's a philosophical thing that we, you know, it's it's kind of the same question of, like, is there a god? Like, it's, you have to, like, have some sort of, like, faith, and it's hard to really prove those kind of questions. If we're able to prove the, 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 that question, if we are ever, like, what are the implications for the, for the, for the, I was going to say the industry, but for, for the, for the, for the people who do math and for the society as a whole, like, if we, you know, we found out conclusively without refutation that math is discovered. What does that say about our existence and the universe? What is that? What is, does it say anything? Um, I don't know. I mean, well, you you should learn math. Right? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think if math, well, it's weird because math isn't our world. It's used to model our world, but it's not exactly like like we exist and math exists separately, and you can say things about our world with the math world, and you can say things about math world with our world, but it's, you know, they're, they're kind of disjoint. They're kind of, like, orthonormal to each other. Um, that was a math term. And uh, <laughs> I, I would just, I mean, they're, they're a little, like, orthogonal, you know? Like, I, orthogonal is uh, the same as perpendicular. Thank yeah, you. I think, 
That's common term, right? Uh, yeah, well, uh, you over my head, so. <laughs> okay, well, anyways, yeah, but I mean, perpendicular is, is like, uh, sort of like, it's like a completely different direction. So right. They, they um, share no similarity. All right, But right. I think, I think, okay, one thing is, do you believe in probability? Now, that's a little bit different because if you believe in Bayes' rule, that really does say something about, like, you know, like, probability is really interesting. Like, what's it mean to be drawn from a distribution? Like, that one, and that's a subset of math, but I think that kind of really, like, could be more foundational on how you actually live your life. Like, that's, like, if you believe things come from certain distributions, then, like, you should actually take actions to affect that. Hmm. Um, but a lot of math is just very much, like, obscure and, like, abstract models that don't necessarily apply. Uh, so, pushing forward the question of how you guys are religiously excited about math, and it's contagious, I, I, I gotta say, it is. But, uh, <laughs> Could you? Yes, it's working. That's how we're going to deliver our sermon. Well, <laughs> yeah. Matt is going to deliver it. So exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, Through us. So the question is can you draw like moralistic, uh, moralistic ways to live your life through through math? Could math teach people to be better humans? Like, or is it, or, is, or uh, are we on yeah, a whole another. Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly a better person because I know, uh, because I live my math, my life the way like math tells me to. Or well, it makes to. you, it makes you free. I mean, so, <laughs> um, no, I mean, I think those those things you can turn to in math, and you can be like, oh, like, um, you know, probability of this event occurring is high. Therefore, I should probably not do that. You know, <laughs> um, but that being said, like sometimes, I mean, yeah, it's like. If your family has a history of like substance abuse, then you're probably more likely to abuse substances, and then you should stay away from them. But I'm always like, eh, I just want to, you know. So I don't know. I mean, like, <laughs> well, so um, my view on on that is, um, I mean, you, it there's a similar thing going on in like science. Um, and uh, obviously, uh, scientists aren't universally nice people. Um, but. I, there's some some sort of notion of equality built into like science and math. It, I I feel like where um, uh, sort of like ideas are the main thing that matter, um, and so you should you should like you should encourage cool and new ideas, um, and you shouldn't you shouldn't like it. Definitely governs how I interact with other people, right? Like, so I'm not gonna just dismiss someone. Um, on like the way that they look right like it's more just about like ideas and i think it's it's that that's kind of like the the way that um math like has has me changed my social interactions mm -hmm. um as just more of like uh everyone's we're all the same sort of stuff you know like it doesn't there, there's no reason to arbitrarily like denigrate off off of these like weird lines right like I mean that that's kind of the lessons that math has taught me in interacting with other people. Yeah, well, I want to I want to propose a scenario and it's so in and, and I want to know what your your reaction is to the scenario. It's in a parallel universe where you guys blow it big and all of a sudden in the next 5 years this your your math virtual reality application becomes common core in all of the schools uh, in the United States like that I, again parallel universe if this happens right and what what and my understanding is more or less math is a tool and it's a hammer right like you I, if you use the hammer it, it's not it's not necessarily 
the the hammer's fault if you create a nuclear bomb with it it's more the human behind that hammer right like and, and so my question then becomes are you guys and this is a crazy question are you guys worried that you by enabling the distribution of math to the world and to everyone that wants to learn are you worried that you will enable the next uh, i want to say hitler who will be able to create an artificial intelligence that will kill us all uh yeah i mean it's with it's math well no i mean i think i think it's so right now ai will happen i mean me i don't know if you Let's just say AI is probably going to happen with the math education we have now, okay? And right now we have these, um, this very small percent of the population actually understands what's happening, mm -hmm. like way under a percent that actually understand the math behind AI. And if you enable everyone to know math, then at least we can all understand it and actually like make intelligent decisions about how AI should happen. Because right now you have this giant fear of like the singularity when people don't even understand what's going on under the hood in these algorithms. And it's kind of silly to hear people freak out from an AI researcher perspective. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's more about like, you know, those phenomena in society, like we should all be educated about them and not just have a small handful of people actually understand what's going on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I would, I would add that, um, um, sure. You know, there might be, there might be some bad people that um, essentially by teaching everyone math, you would be empowering people to a level that hasn't um, empowering the average person that to a level that hasn't happened before. Um, and obviously there are some good and bad parts that come with that, but I think ultimately it could be extremely positive in the sense that um, sure, you know, there, there might be some bad people that try to do some bad stuff. Um, but there will be a lot more people with the skills to protect against that. Um, essentially, uh, like exactly as Michael was saying, like just the level of education and like understanding would just be so much higher that, um, you know, people sure. Like if, if someone were to like build the next like nuclear bomb, then maybe someone else or a bunch more people would get together and build a nuclear bomb counter, you know, or some way to um, right. like, protect against that. Mm. And like the, the politicians and stuff can actually use their knowledge of mass to actually make our laws that are appropriate. And you don't think, you know, like right now it's like if Congress was to protect against AI or like, you know, some other advanced math technique, they would probably not understand it and make the appropriate laws to prevent it and, mm -hmm. you know, maybe even rob us technology. It's like education's important. Like, we should all be aware of what's going on. Yes. Um, and I want to ask you further along with in, in terms of this question about AI, like, <clears throat> if, if Elon Musk says something like artificial intelligence in the next five to ten years, it's like summoning the demon, something like that. Mm -hmm. And Stephen Hawking says something like, of uh, artificial intelligence will be humanity's greatest accomplishment and it might be our last what yeah. should someone like me think about that like how should i interpret those things from those really smart people what do they know that i am missing here um i don't know what they know okay <laughs> i mean seeing ai today and it's most like if if i was going to say what like people like google and baidu and facebook are doing i would say you know think of it not as ai but statistics like 
first of all, like machine learning is just statistics and it's just like we have more data and things like Bayes rule are actually working mm-hmm. um, at scale. And like that's that's really the first thing I would say is like it's kind of like a hype machine and people love saying AI because it means more money. But it's really applied math. What about deep learning or or deep mind? Like how do I, I know I know machine learning. I I, I say that I, I know I don't yeah. I know the shit. But like I I I've spoke to someone that was pretty smart and he talked about how deep learning is a whole nother beast that could propel this um, this creation of AI. Like you know what is what's your take on that? Is that is that a thing? Uh, yeah, so I mean, um, yeah, we work with uh, DeepNets in our lab. Um, they're, they're cool. I mean, they're a nonlinear function that represents things well, and um, they, right now, we don't understand them to the extent that we would want to, but we know they work. Um, as a whole, like, you know, I mean, this stuff, like, it was, we could do what DeepMind did uh, in, like, the most, like, famous paper so far. In the 90s, like it's not like it wasn't anything like crazy new. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what they're doing though, like in private. But what they published so far is nothing like really mind blowing in the field. Um, I mean, it's 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 mostly just that like advances in computing and um, like the amount of data that you can process have enabled um, these neural network algorithms. Is another essentially another name for these deep learning techniques. Mm-hmm. Um, that like this is like this is the third way, the third coming of neural net technology. Like it happened, I want to say in like the sixties and then it happened again in the eighties and now it's happening again in the 2010s and um, two thousands. And like, it's essentially the same technology. It's just the computing, the underlying computing resources have gotten a lot better. Yeah. I mean, when like, I think like there's a big difference between like AI today and C3PO and then after that, like the super AI we should be worried about. It's kind of like, but right now, like we don't even know how to get the C3PO at all. Like it, that path is not clear. And it might be, you know, it, like some people say five years, I'd say probably more like 20 or 30. Like it's, it's very unclear. And we just don't know exactly like, is Moore's law going to even take us there? That's probably going to run out soon. Yeah, it's It's hard to even say, like, I wouldn't, we should be worried about AI in some respects, but it shouldn't be like something that we tweet all the time. Oh man, the thing that is about to happen. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I, I, we shouldn't do that. Well, I, <laughs> yeah, I, that's I mean, why. Something... Go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, so it's definitely something to keep in mind um, and to be cognizant about. Um, uh, but I mean, it's interesting. I, I mean, I don't know if there will be a time um, where it's something like like people generate this algorithm and people are really like afraid to turn it on. Like I think eventually that day will come, mm-hmm. but um, with the stuff that we have today, I'm not really worried about like it turning you like turning the switch on this algorithm and it's suddenly becoming sentient. Like, um, right. like uh, that might happen eventually. Um, but there would be probably some pretty significant advances that need to come before that will happen. And I think like when a lot of AI people talk to the press, like, overhyping your thing and not giving the honest truth is something you do because you're a startup or something. You want to make it seem like, oh, man, I have the brain solved. So you have to take all this stuff with a grain of salt. It's just like, you know, you want VC money, you overhype it, you say I'm doing intelligent things, and that's why you kind of have what we have today. That's crazy. 
Uh, okay, so I, I'm at a fork in a row because for the last 20 minutes, I've been meaning to ask you about doing math on drugs, uh, but <laughs> but I, I still have so many more questions about AI. Um, let's oh, yeah, do. I mean, <laughs> let's go. Let's let's take a quick fork in the. Let's take a quick detour and talk about doing math on drugs. Uh, and more or less, when I say that, I really mean the neuroscience behind math and uh -huh. what parts of the brain are being oh, okay. activated when you're doing math. And can we isolate those 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 parts of the brain? Uh, like, are, do you know if there has been studies of people doing math and then you can see a person, you know, like the differ differentiation among a, a, a set of people, like, you know, there's a certain populace that there's a certain type of person that that part of the brain I don't know, hippocampus or wherever lights up enormously more than the other person and could we engineer drugs that because I'm lazy this is why I asked this question I'm lazy and I don't want to do all the hard work I want to be be fast like could we engineer drugs that could give people lazy like me a boost in learning math and is that is that morally okay what do you guys think um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you could really engineer, I mean, I guess you could engineer any drug, right? I, um, I mean, I, like, okay, like, things like Adderall, like, math sometimes require a lot of focus, like, I personally don't do this, but it, it makes sense that, like, if you want to read a paper really well, you should, you know, just take Adderall, sit down for an hour and really understand it, like, that's kind of a drug that could do that. Um, I don't know, I mean, it's, it's really, like, what you just i mean what the side effects are of that drug versus the knowledge you gain and you have to just like weigh those together and you just have to be educated to do that you have to like really understand like what am i taking what am i putting in my body and what am i getting out of it like i like drugs drugs are fun but it's like you know you, you have to always think about the side effects and like what the risk you're taking is i guess yeah i mean um I would definitely not be morally against uh, if someone invents a drug that makes you really great at math. Like, um, I would probably partake. Um, yeah, and, I try it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know if it would be, like, a regular thing that I would do, but um, if there was something that I was struggling with and you you pop a pill and you get it right away, of course I would try it, you know? Um, and I think if, like, <laughs> if you need, like, a literal gateway drug into math... Um, then, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. I, I personally don't know nearly enough, and I don't think anyone knows enough about, um, like, the neuroscience of what happens when you're thinking about uh, math. Um, I'm sure that there have been studies, but I'm not versed in that, in that world. Yeah. Um, uh, but it, I think really... I mean, at least currently, I wouldn't believe anyone if they said they knew what was going on in the brain perfectly, because I it's just an enormously complicated system. I, I don't think we're anywhere near collectively understanding uh, what goes on in your brain. Well, yeah. Jeff Hinton. Always, always <laughs> Jeff Hinton. <laughs> um, um, but, <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, if there was some sort of... I mean, one thing, though, I do think about math that is... Really, I don't know, like, this might just be one thing I really like about math is that it's so humbling when you learn it. Like, I came into grad school, like, really cocky, just being like, oh, man, I am the shit. And through math, though, I've actually became a better person, like, less of a bro, just because, like, it's so humbling um, to, like, just, you know, like, programming is something that 
a lot of people can pick up and it's only 40 years worth of knowledge that you can easily like churn through and know enough to do a startup but math is something that there's so much knowledge out there that you can really never know it all and i think yeah maybe like you kind of lose that part where it makes you a little bit more humble which, I don't know, I mean, maybe that's good, maybe that's bad. Well, I don't know if humility is, I, I don't think that there's ever been a case where humility was a bad thing, I, uh, but, yeah, I, I wish I had gotten more humility out of math, it was more, toward, like, hate. I, my, I mean, different people find humility in different places, I found, I found humility in martial arts, uh, the day yeah. that I got kicked in the face by this French girl, uh, and I, here's the thing, like, I, I learned something that day, like, I almost... I got I I got TKO'd and it hurt a lot and it was because my dumbass underestimated her and thought that she was going to be like oh you know like gentle no she fucking dude <laughs> it was like I've never there's never been another time where like I actually got knocked literally knocked out by a friend with a hook kick and in the head and the kick from that girl was was much more painful than my my 250 pound friend kicking me in the back of the head like that and 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 so i learned humility and but but that was martial arts and math man i god i i i wish i could have a time machine and i mean that's why i bring up the whole drug thing because time is so limited <laughs> you know like yeah, I mean, and, and, that's why i mean we want mafia to be that drug where it's like you put this on and we like make it so you learn this concept. Like yeah. that's kind of what we want to do is because yeah, like not everyone has a grad school program where they can just like sit around and learn math all day, you know? And like, yeah. And we want like, I mean, yeah, the, the generation coming up to learn math, we want everyone now alive today should also know math yeah. and we need that kind of like, how do you do that? How do you like reach out to the people listening to this podcast and like get them to actually know math? Because yeah. that's hard, and that is it's people don't have a lot of time anymore. I have a solution. I I think we have to scare the shit out of them uh, about artificial intelligence so that they can like f- like yeah, weaponize their like, own themselves. Like so, we, yeah, it's about to happen. Actually. <laughs> Elon Musk, it's totally right. He's so scared. <laughs> the only way to counteract that is if everyone learns math. Exactly. So and, you don't want to be part of the singularity. No math. Uh, fine. Yeah, the the matrix is coming, everybody. So make sure you learn math, so we can uh, yeah. be, we can build a Terminator that can counteract the Skynet that Google is building, right? <laughs> to me, the title is the matrix is coming. Learn math. <laughs> if you want to be the one, you gotta know math. Yeah. Oh shit. <laughs> that's dude that is a beautiful analogy yeah i'm sure like you guys walk around in your universe and you feel like you are like the one because you can see things differently than most people like i I, yeah i I mean that's why i was saying like you feel so free is because like i don't know like there's something about math that just makes you see the world way different yeah it's really you just feel like you're a different person it's kind of scary in some ways but like yeah, there's something about math that you just see everything way different. Yeah, I mean, like, when I was talking about earlier that, like, I think I'm a robot, like, that's because I, like, think, like, I think in math, I think about, like, like, quantitatively, what is the world around me doing, like, in terms of, like, how a robot would, and, like, I don't actually see, like, streams of numbers in front of me, um, 
but maybe one day I will in the sense of like, well, the only thing stopping me is the fact that I don't have like an augmented reality screen in front of me showing me all those numbers. Um, like I really like want to be that, you know, and like, um, it truly is like, uh, like you become powerful and like, it's, it's really an incredible experience knowing that. Yeah. It's, it's a really like, it's, it definitely is a life changer. Like when you, when you start learning math, like you really, it does change you in some ways, but I think it's for the best. And I think you, you become aware of something that you never thought you could do. Yeah. Um, so then you always wrote off as like, Oh, I'm just not good at math. Like I said that for a while. I was like, Oh, I can kind of do math, but I'm just not a math person. Hmm. And yeah, I think it's just, you have to like really like have that moment in your life where you can experience math. And that's what we want to give with math VR is that moment. Yeah. I, I, again, I will be championing the shit out of you guys because it's so important. <laughs> it's so important. Um, going back to some more philosophical questions about artificial intelligence. <clears throat> when do we, when will we know that it's here? Like how do, how will we know that? Yes, we can point to I, that thing and say I, that is artificial intelligence. Um, I mean, apparently the Turing test was already beat, so that was weak, but, uh, <laughs> well, uh, various, so the Turing test, if you're not familiar, is, um, essentially it's, it's this test that was conceived, uh, of a test of intelligence, uh, essentially, can I talk with someone or, like, something, uh, like, in, in like, a chat or, like, even, like, you see other, other versions of it being, like, over like a phone or some sort of interface, um, can I talk with you? And will that thing that you're conversing with convince you that it's a person? Um, and like have all the nuanced discussions that you can have with a person like we're doing right now. Mm -hmm. um, like what if it just turned out that we were artificial intelligences? Like then, then we would have passed the Turing test assuming that you believe that we were people. Um, <laughs> that would be a twist. <laughs> that would be the <laughs> ultimate twist. M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> wrote that script. For sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, would we, I think, well, obviously like, I mean, you're going to see a lot of signs like robots that are as smart as dogs, like that's not even a thing yet. Or like robots that are as smart as one-year-olds or like, I mean, we're like, like insect level kind of smart right is now. Is it, is it a function? So is it, okay. So the, re, so is it because we have the algorithms, but lack the processing power? So for example, could I, could I take... I, again, I'm talking completely out of my butt here, but can I take the can I take AI algorithms and code and throw it on my Aces laptop and start a conversation with a reptilian insect-like brain AI, or or does it need a quantum computer? Assuming those things are are for real, does it does it need a, like a, a D wave from Google or or whatever to to put throw them in there and then just you know ramp that puppy up and and see something yeah, come so alive like there are algorithms out there that like are just not tractable by any means that if you could code um would be a strong ai like yeah well, like we have yeah we have like the theoretical algorithm that if you ran it it would be like a super intelligence but there's no current way to actually implement that algorithm. right so there's like np hard and these are like p space hard it's mm -hmm. like above that so it's it's pretty hard. Um, <laughs> we don't have anywhere near the computational power to do that. So even with quantum computers or supercomputers that are out there, um, I don't. I mean, quantum. I'm not really sure about it's because I know it's like different. But I, to be honest, like I'm not sure. I don't think even with a quantum 
Definitely not with a supercomputer. That shit's kind of weak when it, like, PC starts. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Quantum's different. I think Quantum, the operations are different, too, though. You can, um, so, uh, it's, it's still actually up in the air, um, whether or not, uh, you can solve, like, the, this general class of problems, as Michael was describing to you, uh, NP-hard NP problems. It's sort of a, a categorization system that computer scientists use to classify algorithms and, like, how difficult and how long they take to run. Um, I think it's still an open question as to whether quantum computers can solve these NP-hard problems. Um, I think it's like there's some that it can, some special type of problems that we know would it would work well on, and that's like cryptography type things. But I mean, once again, like we're just talking you can, like what you we can, read. Yeah, so, it, so so we're definitely not experts on quantum computers. Yeah, um, so you should take what we say with a grain of salt. But I believe. So there's this this algorithm called the Shore algorithm where um, you can factor prime numbers uh, efficiently in a quantum computer. But um, and that's interesting because uh, essentially all the cryptography that the internet relies on is um, I I uh, not all of it, but it, uh, some of it it uses prime numbers as like that exact problem as like the method of uh, ensuring privacy. So that's interesting, but there. But it, it's still up in the air whether or not it can do more general purpose problems uh, efficiently. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, but as of now, like, yes, yeah, so there are some analytical solutions. And basically, like, the general trend in AI right now is like, okay, we know that this analytical solution, even the brain pie doesn't do. Um, we don't even think, like, a human mind has enough computational power to do that. So mm -hmm. we turn to things like statistics and basically, like, okay, if I take my past observations into account, what do I think the most likely thing to happen is? What action should I take? And then you have things like DeepNet, which approximate things. You know, it's about function approximation. Mm -hmm. um, and, I mean, then these methods are kind of working now, and you get some, like, cool results, like a robot playing a video game or something like that. It's crazy. Or a robot, like, folding laundry or tying a rope. But the whole, like, general purpose AI, like, that's... That's like pretty far away, I would say. So, so you guys being AI researchers, I, I want to ask you a very basic, fundamental question, and that is, why? Like, why build AI? Why? <laughs> like, uh, just um, why do we? Why? Why do we need it? Uh, so, um, so I can only answer with my own motivation. Hmm. Um, personally, I want to be a star explorer. <laughs> and I think, um, and, um, uh, and, but also I care a lot about earth and I think that humanity has caused a lot of problems for earth that uh, are just way too complicated for humans to figure out by ourselves. We really need something that can take all of the different data sources from all over the world and integrate them and use them in some, and make this, and use them to make decisions about, how do we how do we fight climate change and stuff like that? Like mm -hmm. I really feel like um, AI is almost the only thing that can save us. And I'm not necessarily talking about strong AI here um, in the sense of like you know sentience, um, but really just taking in these like billions or trillions or quadrillion data sources and making informed decisions with them. There's no way a person can do that, um, and that's what you really need to do to combat like climate change or to uh, try and figure out like new methods of interstellar travel like or well, any method of interstellar travel um, or getting to other planets like I mean I really like there are just a lot of problems that we 
you're just not well equipped for. Like the cure um, for cancer or like, you know, really crazy cures. Like, could that be also a thing? Yeah. I'm sorry, what was that? Like, like new cures and like new treatment. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like, exactly. Okay. Um, personalized medicine. Personalized medicine, um, optimization of electricity grid. Like, I mean, a lot of things we frame. Um, yeah, I think it's, yeah, like, so I, I guess like, I was always interested in AI just from like watching things like Battlestar Galactica, like playing like Mass Effect. I was like, whoa, this stuff seems really cool. Um, and that drew me to the topic. But then what made me stay was just like, oh, this is like applied math, like on a new level with computers and statistics combined. And that's really what the PhD program teaches you is like, how do I look at a general problem, like getting a robot to tie a rope? and actually, like, create a way to do that. Yeah, and, like, encoding that problem as math so that a computer can execute it. Um, and I think in the PhD program, you kind of learn the skills to do that, and that's why I'm here, is just so I can go out in the wild and be this, like, math wizard, like, doing math things, and, like, you know, being free, like, being totally, like, roaming the earth and, like, doing math. Like, that's... Yeah, but we don't think, I mean, he's talking about a lot about the PhD program giving you the skills, but that's definitely not the only way to oh, get yeah, these skills. Oh, yeah, definitely not. No, I mean, for, for me, it's just, like, it also is kind of, like, laid back and, like, a fun place. But it's, yeah, I mean, like, you don't need to be in a PhD program to learn math. Obviously, that's not what we're trying to say. That's just why we're here as AI researchers. Um, and, yeah, so that's that's why I'm here. But, yeah, I mean, AI is, it's an interesting thing. It's, like, what what makes us human, you know? And that's that's kind of cool. It's, like... How can I learn about that? And I learn it through math and not just like neuroscience, which is a little bit different. Um, what? They just have different views. Yeah, I think the, the AI way is like, neuroscience way is kind of like you really start like low level and kind of work your way up and AI is more like big picture down. Mm. And I think that's kind of fun to think about. It's it's kind of philosophical, but it's also like grounded in some like statistics and stuff too which is cool what is what is sentience how do you define sentience <laughs> like like uh, well that's a very interesting question and i don't think anyone knows <laughs> <laughs> I, I i'm not gonna answer that one <laughs> um, i i if someone knew then we might be able to create it but absolutely no one knows hold on um, wait hold on hold on no one oh wait hold on <laughs> I'm, I'm, I am, uh, that, this is crazy. This is crazy talk here. You, we don't know what sentience is. Like, like, are you talking like the, um, the, uh, like physiological, like explanation of our own sentience or like if we were to design, uh, another sentience, uh, in the latter, uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, that's really the goal of like AI is to really like quantitatively answer that question. Like, what is sentience? And we definitely don't have the answer yet. Yeah, um, it's I mean, we don't like they, there. There have been models proposed, like the ones that Michael was talking about earlier, where um, it's sort of like a theoretical model that if you could implement it would maybe lead to sentience. But like, it might be just so different from our own sentience that is unrecognizable. Um, but like. I mean, I mean that's why we don't have AI yet is because nobody knows what sentience is. Holy yeah, shit. and I think that's really like um, we yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of questions that we still don't have an answer to in science, and that's that's part of the fun of it. Um, but yeah, we don't really know. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> are we are we so are we in are we as in you are you researchers and people working in AI are you building something that 
is modeled on the human brain because that's the best thing that we have that is the most intelligent thing in the universe that we know of or are you are are, are you guys approaching it from another angle you're building something from scratch like how 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 do um, you so it, it's mixed like there's definitely there's there's an approach which is like so you could say neural networks were inspired by the brain in the 1970s let's put it that way like you go to the 1970s literature and that's like oh this is how the brain works and they made these like neural networks um brain inspiration does happen in some field like there's some parts of AI that really is like i only do things that are like neurologically inspired and i keep up to date on that um our side of things we kind of do what works uh and what gets results at the moment yeah so a lot of that is more statistics i would say like really like it comes down to like you know using good function approximations like neural networks today and um using nice like bayesian models like that's kind of like what we do um because i mean that that makes sense like if you believe in like bayes rule like so um so keep mentioning bayes rule um basically what that is is um essentially uh you have some model of something uh it's sort of the Bayes' law is, or Bayes' rule, is the best way to update your model given new evidence. So, like, um, you make a prediction, and then you test that prediction, and then you um, you get some data from that testing, and then you update your model using that. And Bayes' rule is, like, the best way to do that. So you can picture, like, a robot, like, he um, has a model of the world and then takes an action and then observes an outcome and then updates his model and keeps on doing this over and over until he accomplishes some task. And, uh... Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of what we do, and that's not really, like, brain-inspired. It's more just, like, oh, this makes an intuitive sense, and this kind of fits this, like, uh, it's called a Markov decision process, but that's basically the idea. Yeah, and there actually are some uh, neuroscientists that believe the that that's essentially what the brain is doing, approximately, um, that they're, like, that... It's, it's essentially, it's funny, it's, like, going the other way. It's, like, explaining neuroscience by like using contemporary ai research right i mean and it makes sense like if you believe that oh i observe the world and take actions for my observations which i think i do um and this kind of just models it more mathematically than it does like you know in a neurosciencey cellular biology type way but um if you think about it from an evolutionary perspective it actually makes a lot of sense to sort of view it that way like um do you think of like well evolution might sort of select towards the optimal way to update your your ideas based off of new information. So, like, it actually kind of, there is a little bit of, like, uh, you know, I mean, it's still sort of a little bit hand-wavy, um, and I'm sure that the people doing the research have better, like, uh, biological arguments, but it would make sense that that might be what biology and evolution does, is to select towards, like, these nice predictive models. But I will say, like, every time, like, an AI person comes up with, like, a neurologically inspired model, most neuroscientists laugh at them. So it's kind of <laughs> like, um, in AI, we have a tendency to say we don't know how the brain works, and we just use inspiration. Yeah, it's like highly simplified models of things that the brain might do. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's a little taboo to say, oh, this is neurologically inspired, because... It's, get... like, inspired in the same way that, like, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie is, like, based off of true facts and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Interesting. Let me ask yeah, you I really mean, quick... Just, go... I, you have to take everything with a grain of salt in yeah. AI. Um, 
you know, I mean, once again, it's kind of like math class. It's a big open problem, and it's kind of like a frontier right now. We just explore what works, and there's a lot of different models being tried. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, like a more utilitarian approach. Like we're just gonna try a bunch of things, and then what sticks, we're gonna keep and call it AI. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, AI compilers. Like if you're familiar with like those, those used to be part of AI uh, back in the day. Well, like a lot of AIs is like the frontier of CS kind of research crazy i want to ask you about um it, because the more questions i ask you the more questions i <laughs> keep popping <laughs> inside my head and the here's it, this might come out of left field but I, I wonder if you guys are aware of the geopolitical state of artificial intelligence in my I, and i and i say this because it juxtaposed with the exploration of space there seems to be this narrative that uh, space exploration is is for the in large part it's being done collaboratively by many nations in Japan, ESA, uh, NASA, obviously, right? And, and so the Russians. And so I, I I wonder like what how does that look like in AI? Are, is it a competition? Like are the are we competing with the Chinese? Are we competing with the Russians to come up with the with the AI? In my mind, I feel like there's this somewhere underneath the Mojave Desert. There's this Manhattan Project city, like built by the NSA, and they have yeah, I mean, thousands it, of scientists working yeah, on it's, engineering it's the AI. Google. <laughs> okay. So Google is. Um, I would say Google and maybe like Baidu now with Andrew. Like they're kind of like the like Google's probably like the main AI company. Yeah. Um, the big one, like the big, like billion dollar company. There's a few small ones, like Vicarious. So sorry to interrupt. So it's a competition. We are competing um, with other nations. So there, there's two, there's two sides here. Um, academically, it's very much a collaboration. Like everyone, like in the academic world, everyone, you publish the conferences and your work is freely available and people are like trying to really like work together. Um, but then you go to the more industry side of AI, and that's because a lot of AI technologies can be easily monetized, so there is a vibrant um, uh, in industry for it. Um, and then, then I think there actually is a little bit more of a geopolitical structure, it's, it, it, if only because um, uh, like Google doesn't operate in China, um, and so Google or uh, China has like Baidu, which is essentially the equivalent of Google and China. Um, and they're both very cutting edge, like AI research. Um, but then they, uh, they, they do publish a good amount of their like work publicly, but, um, a lot of it, they don't. There's also like Microsoft does a lot of research. Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, it, it's hard to say. And like, I mean, so basically all the big corporations have their own like AI divisions, like Facebook, um, Google, Baidu, Microsoft, probably Intel, like, and that's a little bit different because they're very much like applied. Like we want to like predict you the best ads. Like Adobe actually has like a really strong AI program. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, you know, and like ad prediction today is really AI and that's like kind of the competition right now is like who can serve the best ads. Cause that's making money in the internet age. What about, uh, well, so you talked about academics and you talk about in, in the industry. What about military is, is, do you think that the military is working in AI with AI uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, probably. We don't. I mean, those companies like Palantir who would do like, um, like big data stuff for the CIA type things, and that's you know, I mean, apparently they like help find Osama bin Laden or like something along those lines. Like, you definitely see like, I mean, look at the NSA, right? Like that was 
totally AI. That's like machine learning to the max, like collect all the data, analyze it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, and then there were, there were some, um, I mean, we, we, as a, as a like rule, try not to do military stuff, at least uh, like just as philosophical, like ethically, um, uh, not, not all AI researchers feel that way. Um, but there were, there was a lot of like, um, things that I had seen in passing of like trying to, um, a lot of things that people did in like Afghanistan were like trying to analyze and predict, um, like cell phone networks to figure out who like terrorist leaders were and stuff like that. And like, like sort of gray area, like AI type research. Um, like I would personally never do that kind of stuff because I am a pacifist. Um, but I mean, there are certainly people that do it. Um, yeah, I mean, anywhere where you see like prediction, identification, pattern recognition, um, there's going to be some AI. Oh, there will be AI. So yeah, like everyone's doing these kind of methods and, uh, it's, I don't like, you know, maybe when you think of AI though, you're thinking of this like strong AI, like who's going to be the first one to the moon, who's going to have the first strong AI. Mm-hmm. I don't know of anyone doing that except for maybe like deep mind kind of. Yeah, I mean. So they got bored, so. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, I mean, that that's different. And, you know, there's few like strong AI researchers. Yeah. Um, like, I think there's a lot of weak AI, like pattern recognition. But I don't think there's as many like strong AI people out there. Yeah, and there are there's some work going on, but it's mostly um it's mostly less funded. Well, because um it's so pie in the sky like that like most people just that with money are just like sure that might happen eventually, but not any time on the time scale that I care about for my investments. Right. I mean, it's um, kind of like like teleportation. You know, like there's probably some fringe groups working on teleportation research, but it's not the most pressing for like the NSF to fund, you know? So it's just that kind of thing. Yeah. I, I should have asked this question a while ago, but I want to get your, like, um, what what is your definition of the singularity and what is your take on Ray Kurzweil's definition of the singularity? And by the way, what the singularity, if, if I'm not mistaken, is the point at which, and please feel free to correct me, the point at which machines will be able to create machines smarter than themselves and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... Uh... Loosely, yeah, that's what I would say my definition of the singularity is. Um, and I, I don't know precisely Kurzweil, I'm, Kurzweil's definition. I'm sure he does have a precise definition. Um, but, I, I mean, my understanding is that that's essentially his, his uh, um, definition as well. Um, at least boiled down to, like, one sentence fact. He probably has mm-hmm. a whole paragraph or maybe a whole book about it, uh, his precise definition of it. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, I think... Like, I, I think that the singularity will probably eventually happen, barring no unforeseen physics, uh, like, uh, speed limits. Um, but, like, I mean, if we, if it finds out, if we, if we end up, like, end up hitting, like, the maximum threshold, it's like, okay, our computers can never get any better. Well, then singularity probably won't happen. Um, but if there's always, if, if we can eke out more computational power, um, then I feel like at some point it will probably happen through some combination of computing resources and algorithms. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have absolutely no idea when that would happen because we would need some pretty uh, hefty advances in both the resources and the algorithms. And like I think that it's um, like I think uh, the, interestingly, uh, 
the, the work being done at like uh, Miri uh, in Berkeley and, and other places, uh, it's the Machine Intelligence Research Institute. It used to be called the Singularity Institute. Um, uh, but they do sort of more theoretical work on like what exactly is this idea of a singularity. Um, and if one were to occur, how do we ensure that it is friendly to humanity? And I feel like that kind of work is actually really important and um, uh, sort of ground groundbreaking and, and, and sort of laying the bricks for, uh, okay, well, it, I don't know when it might be possible to implement a singularity, um, but when it is, then we'll sort of have a guidebook to figure out, okay, what do we do and what do we not do? Right. So it's kind of like if we had a strong AI, what would happen? And also, like, how do you control, like, what these, like, um, approximate solutions learn so they're friendly? Yeah, but, so this, this is a field called friendly AI, um, where, I mean, it's basically how do you get a sing singularity or a strong AI, as we've been, we've been saying it as. Um, how do we ensure that it doesn't just destroy humanity? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think there's, there's a lot of cool things. Um, I'm probably going to have to get going soon just because, yeah, there's other stuff. Totally understand. No worries. Uh, I have a couple more questions, if that's okay. Um, sure. Okay. So the last couple, I sort of – so so if, if – if, uh, again, and I say this um, knowing nothing uh, – the singularity happens around 2030 and and what i sort of envision in my mind is me putting on or having already my virtual reality contact lenses and tuning in to this google uh press conference where in vr where where they will unveil this kind of like asimo comes out from you know honda unveils asimo like they will unveil this this thing that I don't whether it be bipedal robot or whether it'll be a giant screen with a face in it, like you know, they will unveil this thing and it'll be like, here it is, it's sentient. And I wonder, yeah. like, in the so the question is like, are we ready? And is humanity ready for that? Do we have the laws in place? Will we create the laws to protect them? Should they be protected? Should AI have legal rights? Can it possess property? Can so can I we marry AI? To me, there's like, okay, there's like AI equivalent to us and that would happen, yeah, maybe like, you know, some point in time, maybe 2030. And then there's like super AI, which is like way smarter than we are. Um, with AI as smart as us, yeah, totally, like they're conscious beings, like they need to be protected. Just like, I mean, we even ha we'll have like AI as smart as dogs beforehand and then it's like, you know, they need to have rights too. They're like animals. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think, um, I mean, just the way that the legal system often works, um, I think it will happen first and then we'll deal with it legally. Like in this hypothetical unveiling event, I don't believe it will have any rights um, because politicians won't have decided that that was something that they needed to do yet. But to be fair, like there's so much talk about this kind of stuff today. I mean, normally like... You know, I, I think, like, somebody's going to push for a law, like, within the next... I mean, like, just how hyped AI is right now, probably we will see some laws being made way sooner than AI does get created, just because there's so much anticipation of it right now. Yeah, but then, I mean, when, when you get into that, it's, like, very interesting, like, what kind of laws? How do you determine whether or not... It goes into your earlier question of how do you determine what sentience is? Um, how do you determine if this thing that you just created 
is sentient and thus has rights. Like, yeah. Um, I think that these are all things that we'll have to d- grapple with as a culture, as a as a civilization. Um, I don't know what the answers are. I I, I wish I did. Um, but I I don't. Yeah, I mean, maybe someone out there has a has a good solution. But I mean, it's it sort of goes hand in hand with just your definition of a of a sentience, like. If we had a good definition for it, then we could define laws around it. But I don't think that we do. Yeah, and it, it's it's complicated. But I think it's probably going to be something that um is a while away. And yeah, I mean, it's fun to speculate about. Yeah. Um. It's yeah. I don't know. Well, it, we. I mean, I, I I think ten years is a blink of an eye. Like like it's gonna happen. Ten years goes by really fast. Twenty years, you know, it, it's just. I feel like the older I get, the faster time seems to be accelerating. Yeah, yeah, before you <laughs> yeah. know it, holy shit, my you know I'll be a grandfather and my grandson will be marrying a robot or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's it's something that I you know I, I I like to think about because it's it's gonna be part of our lives one day. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, definitely. Does uh, it does it scare you or does it does it tickle your ego the wrong way, knowing that one day there will be some, you know, possibly there will be something that is smarter than you? Well, I hope that it uh, figures out how to take us with it, <laughs> expand our minds as well. You know, um, yeah. I mean that's another uh, pathway to the singularity um, uh, that I think is probably technically harder, um, but essentially imagine a um, a singularity arising from uh, like I mean there was the movie like Transcendence right where you like sort of upgrade a uh, biological being to this uh, self augmenting thing um, so I mean and I think I think that that's a, another area I mean like wearable technology and virtual and augmented reality I think we're going to start to grapple with these issues of like uh, like when people start to augment their own bodies with technology and computers and integrate that into their own system like um will we reach a point where uh i mean like will we have superhumans and and things like that like Mm um i mean i think it'll be a very interesting time and i i look extremely forward to it i can't wait to get like math calculators in my brain um (laughs) like i am so excited for that like (laughs) yeah i think we'll see a lot of like body augmentation and stuff like that in the future and Oh, we won't. Who knows? But I mean, that's that's something that we probably would see as well as like we would advance ourselves um, yeah. and create more of a, a human based strong AI than a machine based maybe. So that's yeah, it's definitely a potential future. Which that, I think is more I'm interested in is because like yeah, I mean, machine based AI is cool, but I think humanity's is really awesome thing. Like it'd be kind of ashamed to see it like dominated by some strong AI. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely the 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 path that I like more uh, of like you know humanity becoming its own singularity rather than um uh, or like a a cluster of singularities essentially. Yeah. Um, but like I think. I mean, that, that's definitely the more exciting end result for me because then it's sort of like we don't need to create this thing that like sort of like lifts us up into a new age. We lift ourselves up. We bootstrap ourselves into a new age. Right. And I think, you know, I don't know. I'm a big fan of like humanity. I think we are pretty <laughs> cool people. So I think it, it's kind of sad when you just think about like, yeah, I guess I could do it kind of sad if I, when I just think of this robot coming along and being way smaller than everyone just like you know 
living on and humanity's kind of like pushed to the aside wouldn't that be someone like wouldn't someone argue well that's just evolution mm-hmm. it is evolution but like but, but I, mean, I mean like an if, al- we, if we were neanderthals like we <laughs> yeah that would, would suck want human like i guess we would think oh those humans was pretty cool but like we wouldn't be like I mean, we would still be we would still be thrown to the side, right? I like, mean, if an alien race came down today and like used us as cattle to be eaten, like that is evolution too, you know. But I'm not happy with that one. I don't know about you, like yeah. that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it would be a ev- yeah, but like evolution's kind of cold. It's not exactly something that like yeah. a lot of things in life are evolution, and like that's. It basically just means, oh, you were weak enough to be eaten. Like, that's not, <laughs> that's not great. Like, yeah, it's not, like, humane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, here's... I want to sort of end this with the last question. And before I go forward with that, I, you know, I please take me with you uh save me a seat on your interstellar ship when you guys head out to the stars because i want to i want to come along well Uh, we want to bring as many people as possible yes we just want to teach people math that's really (laughs) i'll be pretty happy if i got more people excited about math that's a good first step right yeah definitely yeah i think to me i think math is cool and like i just want to share that passion with people but okay so let's let's start wrapping things up the last question is is what do you guys think and by the way you guys need to come back um, I, 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 I have not filled, I have not gotten my fill from you guys. Uh, but what do you guys think of, um, and this is, I, I don't know, I don't know who the author who says this, but I, I know Joe Rogan talks about this, uh, uh, brings this up a lot, like how we are essentially the sex organs of the machine. You know, how, what do you think of that statement? Uh, I haven't heard that quote. Could you? What's the context? I guess? Um, <laughs> let me let me Google it. Sex. We are sex organs. Sex organs of the machine world. Oh, by that is Marshall McLuhan. Uh, yeah. Of the machine world. Yeah, well, I guess in the sense that we like reproduce. Is that what they're getting at? More or less. It, it's more like my interpretation is that we are we're basically just reproducing and reproducing uh on on behalf of this thing that is growing parallel to us and eventually will just not need us i think oh yeah i don't that's interesting i guess yeah in the in the in the in the sense of like idea genesis and like uh, coming up with new machines and new and like actually building them. Um, I guess, yeah, in some sense it's like, yeah, we, we actually are, uh, like the reproductive organs of the industrial revolution or the information age or whatever Hmm. epoch of the industrial revolution they currently call this. Um, but I mean, at the same time, it's like humans are creating it still. It's kind of, I don't know. It kind of, once again, it kind of diminishes the role of humanity in the industrial revolution. Like that's because of us. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, it makes it sound like the machine world existed before us. And but the machine we are, would continue to exist without us. Like it's very much like belittling the achievements of humanity, I guess. Yeah. I mean, but I, I guess what I think he's getting at is like, uh, if in a you know singularity post singularity world would we be needed anymore? Um, and I don't know. I mean, I I think like because then they would have different sex organs, and like I I think it's an interesting question. But um, I I I think that's actually a very intriguing quote. I I I would pro- tend to agree with it. I feel like um, I I don't 
I think we are much more than that, but we are also that. Um, yeah. But I mean, it also, it's, it's sort of a chicken and egg thing as well. Like that quote makes it seem like the machine world existed before, but we, we created it. So we're like, we're more than just the sex organs because we existed before it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, um, I'm, I, I, I'm glad that people like you and Michael are working in AI because it's, uh, because I, I like the, the fact that you guys are thinking about how we can create this alternative reality in which we 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 can we can become the singularity, not just create a singularity. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean, uh, yeah. I, I, I'm with you. I I want to augment my brain. I want to, you know. Um, have you heard of transcranial direct current stimulation by any mm-hmm. chance? Yeah. Yeah. I. What's your take on that? Would you Would you ever Have you ever tried um, it? I haven't. Uh, okay. I've had uh, sort of the opportunity to. I chose not to. Um, I have uh, one of my best friends uh, is uh, a researcher that works on that. Um, and he thinks it's the best thing since sliced tea. Whoa. Uh, sliced cheese, not sliced tea. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I am very interested in sort of um, more like more sensing and actuation on the brain, right? Like, um, like, like there's there's all the transcranial, there's the transcranial magnetic stimulation as well, and then. Um, I think there's one more as well um, where you just maybe measure, but yeah, I mean, I think that stuff is really great. Like um, I, yeah, I, I don't know at what state the the field is at right now, but I'm very intrigued for the possibilities. Yeah. I'll let you know. Cause my, my, my grandpa and I were building a, a machine, <laughs> a okay, transcranial awesome. direct current stimulation cool. machine. Well, good luck. Don't, yeah. um, don't hurt yourself. I, I, I will. He has an electrical background, so I'll okay, just, I'm just good. being the guinea pig. I do yeah. I want to be, uh, I, I want to be like smarter somehow, but again, I'm lazy. I don't want to do all the, <laughs> the, the pushups necessary yeah. to do it. And yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm fascinated by, by it. And I don't, is Mike going to come back or should we start closing? Oh, I don't on? know. He's on the phone right now. Okay. Well, um, do you want to continue or should we? Sure. Close I things? can keep talking. Hell yeah. Let's do this thing. So until he gets back. Yeah. 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 So transcranial direct simulation, AI, let's finish off with virtual reality because I want to know what is uh-huh. your take on. Uh, he's back. Hey, welcome back. <laughs> so no worries. Last question. Sorry. Uh, I know we're going long, but I can't get enough of you. both. <laughs> What is, in your mind, what do you think is the ultimate end goal of virtual reality? What will virtual reality look like 10 years, 15 years from now? Uh, it's the holodeck from uh, Star Trek, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's one view. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I think in the holodeck, though, they're very, like, they made things that mostly existed. I think um, I think it's, it's the holodecks, the platform, and then the, like... Just, like, imagination running wild. Yeah. I think, like, what they visualize in the holodeck is pretty lame to what you could visualize. Let's put it that way. And, um, moreover that, um, their main interface to the holodeck was through language. They would say, computer, I want this. And then, um, if it wasn't exactly what, quite what they wanted, they would update it again, saying, computer, change this to that. And they also, um, they were their bodies, too. Yeah. But, like, so I, I guess what I'm getting at with that is, um... I think it will be more cohesive than that, more uh, using all of your faculties rather than just language. Um, and that's sort of like, I mean, not to, 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 pl- well, to plug math VR again, but like uh, the idea of just like 
exploring, I mean, I think, I think what will be really cool in VR is uh, exploring different ways of doing both programming and math in virtual reality um, of just like, how do you create and compose and do um, like these intensely creative things? Like, um, like if you had a metaverse type system, how, how would you create the metaverse from within the metaverse and just like bring, bring your own creations along with you. And, um, like, I don't know exactly what the right interface is. I mean, I think actually, um, if you read rainbow's end, I think that that's a really, um, great depiction of potential interfaces essentially. Um, where like, if you imagine having sensors all over your body via like clothing, um, and then essentially you have essentially a free form mapping from those from those sensors to your interface and you can you can just like just imagine a million different buttons all around your body and if you can stimulate the buttons in the right way um, and the right way is defined by you um, then you can just have it do whatever you want like like true like magic like you you just like you you move your body and say some words in the right way. And then um, think of like little hotkeys, right? Like you can create these little like things. And like, I mean, that's that's the future to me. Like, um, also, I think like VR too, it's like, why even have a human form in VR? Like, you know, if you're in the holodeck, why can't you be like a dragon? Like, yeah. um, I don't know. Like, I guess there's like so many things you can explore in like the pure, like transform yourself into any reality. Yeah. So I, I take it you guys are over over your time, Mike? Because I, I fuck, I, I wish I could have ten more minutes with you guys. I, I swear, there's so much more questions <laughs> oh, that I, I have. Uh, you have to go. I can stay okay. For another ten minutes. Okay. Uh, I should probably not stay that much longer. Okay. That. Okay. You know what? Let's yeah. close it right. off. Let's let's, off, let's so. leave let's this leave this on a high note because I, I I know um I yeah I'm I'm going to have to bite my tongue and wait for the next time you guys come around. You guys have honestly blown my mind. Uh, I'm gonna have to listen to this a couple more times to make sure that I. Oh, okay. That's what they were talking about. Um, but honestly, how can people stay in touch? How can people uh, follow up what you're doing and support the awesome thing that you're building? Um. Ooh, we should give people that. Yeah. So. Um. Well, let's see. Uh. So we don't have much set up right now. We have a YouTube channel with a couple videos of just sort of early demos posted on it. Um. We do have a GitHub, although we need to change some stuff because uh, we have some stuff on there that we shouldn't because it's other people's. Um, <laughs> yeah, we have our school email addresses. Um, I don't know. How about we'll, – we'll make a MathVR website and then uh, – yeah. Yeah, so. we can. Um, we don't have anything set up right now, um, but you can, I guess, update on your uh, – your... Do you guys have Twitter by any chance? Ooh, I do, but I don't really use it that much. Okay, okay. Okay. So we're pretty not connected. Yeah. <laughs> what a, uh, what a beautiful yeah. duality. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, well, people will get Twitter. Um, um, I do have a Twitter. Let me figure out what it is. Wow, really? Okay. Zoe McCarthy 2. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 That's a, okay. So we have Zoe McCarthy 2. Zoe has uh, five followers, and she's following three people. And, and I she, tweeted once. She's tweeted once. Um, but I will tweet more. Awesome. Yes, because that'd be great. So I will include... Hopefully, by the time this gets posted, I will include your Twitter uh, account, obviously, and whatever links you guys want to send me that are 
relevant to this conversation, including uh, the we'll send you, future we'll website. Send you some stuff, and then um, yeah, I think I think this is our first time where we like, oh, we need to make a profile online. Like publicizing. Yeah, <laughs> it's the first time we feel like we have something that we want to share with the world. You know. Yeah. I'm so honored that you guys gave me the opportunity <laughs> to talk about this, the awesome thing that you're doing. Honestly, thank you. Really, I really appreciate it. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, thanks I, for giving us this opportunity. Yeah, we were excited to talk and just, like, express our love of bath with people. Yeah. <laughs> and it came through. Um, I've conclusively proven that you guys are true scholars, gentlemen slash lady of virtual reality. Uh, <laughs> and, and I, again, I got to really thank you for your time. And uh, hopefully I'll see you on the next show. Yeah, yeah, um, totally. Yeah, and hopefully we'll see you around in the VR meetups.